We all jump into the water, into the luminous pit, which looks more like a big tube in the rock than anything else. As I take the great leap, I clear my mind of all this shit that's been going through it. The fall lasts several seconds, enough to make you forget a brother's disappearance, an idiot eel, and the great sacrilege against a squilla who doesn't seem so dangerous. Nothing exists at that moment. You fall at full speed toward the turquoise expanse in the heart of the cold black crater, toward trouble, and it's a massive relief. Here we go. Communication will only be possible through signs in the water. Amanaka will lead the way. We immerse ourselves, and here we are, suspended about ten strokes below the surface. Not too deep, just right. We speak in sign language on underwater missions. The aquatic language is a second language for us. We wait to see what we'll face. The blue giant is a prankster who looks and acts differently every year. That's why there's no point in preparing for the trial. It's just impossible. It's like there's a different giant from one generation to the next. I remember a star ritual ten years ago. I was a bit of a chubby kid eating a tray of spicy shellfish in the stands alongside my clan. A more than adequate team of typhoons whose leader must have been the age I am now. A swordfish man with an incredible swimming speed, the sort you don't want to mess with, and who everyone talks about. His beautiful yet brutal fighting style never ceased to mesmerize the crowds. It was said that his sword could pierce rock. I don't recall the other members of the team, only him. He dived into the pit as we've just done and made a dash for the bottom, raging, leaving the team in his wake. But it was the wrong time for that, poor bastard. I felt myself caught up in the torrent of emotions that raged through the crowd, the loud cheers riling me up without really understanding what was going on before my eyes. He reached the bottom of the pit within seconds. I was too small to really see what happened, but all I remember is a layer of sand suddenly rising up to muddy half the pit. The spectators held their breath. The rest of his squad was distraught, unable to enter the haze. And then, cries of horror. The leader's head rising to the surface. His beak crushed, his jaw dislocated. His bloody head separated from his body, stuck to the glass with its eyes wide open. It hovered in the water like an algae. My father rushed me out of the arena, and I later learned when I overheard some fishermen talking that the rest of the team had been decimated within minutes. Papa, you're probably somewhere behind that glass sharing the same memories. Coupled with Rookin's story, it must all be starting to weigh on you. Don't think about it, Dumpling. That's what Rook would say. Don't think about it. The pit must be a hundred strokes in diameter, perhaps a thousand deep. A real mess. Hundreds of croc are on tenderhooks, chock-a-block behind the entire north wall. A large skylight packed with emotion. Everyone's shouting, drinking, and pushing each other around. I'm thrilled because this is the first time I'll be fighting in front of an audience. Even though we're in a hole hollowed right through the sunken cave, there's still light in the water, with light particles emitted by the giant rising to the surface and giving the water a pearly blue color. The giant probes us with a first burst of plankton, and at Amanaka's signal, we descend a few more strokes in unison until we can see the bottom. Maybe 200 strokes. The giant is nowhere to be found. The light she emits through the water is constantly scanning our position. I don't know how this creature perceives space, but I'm sure she sees or feels us. I soon realize that the pit of light is more of an arena than an astral pit. Behind the skylight, the crowd's losing patience, and I can feel the tremors of shouts through the water. 
Ark is on my right with a needle in each hand, another against the back of her neck. She scans the background, alert as a predator. Amanaka remains motionless. He's waiting to see. The idiot sleek in front of us tells us to charge into the melee with confused signals. Rexus, behind us and treading water, is absolutely still. The light in the pit suddenly changes to purple. Unbelievable! How is this possible? The taste of the water becomes acidic. The floor at the back of the arena starts to spit out jets of sand and bubbles that soon turn into mush. She's coming. We keep a safe distance. Amanaka signals to us to wait for this mess to subside. Minutes pass. The shouting intensifies behind the glass. The cave shakes. Then a filament emerges from the center of the arena. It pierces the mud, squirming like a big blue fluorescent worm. A second imitates it, then a third. Soon the sand gives birth to a shapeless mass of tentacles that tear themselves away from the ground, making random and disturbing arabesques. A veritable forest of slimy tentacles has grown under our feet. The water tastes rotten and my eyes gradually start to blur. I can't clearly make out the blue filaments dancing around us. A toxin. Prince Krug notices it too. He signals me, and I do it. I first stab Shackney and Slick in the neck, then the Squilla, then the Prince, and finally, me. We gradually recover our senses as Amanaka starts the swim and tells us to follow. We descend. Soon, the phosphorescent excrescences caress our feet. Then, our waist, and we're completely surrounded. It feels soft, like warm velvet that caresses your legs, grazes your back, and encourages you to go descend down, down. Slick wiggles in all directions, wrapped in the filaments. He looks happy as a child, splashing in the seaweed. Faint phosphorescent streaks begin to appear along his fins. Something's wrong. Shackney dances, and I feel drunk. The effect reminds me of the scent of my first failed potions when I was being initiated into the ways of the shaman. Particles of light settle all too slowly on us. Barely any rays. Much more are needed. The minutes pass and everything seems to be getting sweeter and sweeter. The trial, war, life, death. These soft, enveloping shackles make me want to fall into a delicious sleep. Just for a few minutes, maybe more. Amon's a stoic. He hovers, weightless, with his arms crossed. I try to reach him to encourage him to enjoy this unique moment. He's just one stroke to my right. I can't move. I'm held fast by my ankles, although there is no pain. Like an overly friendly handshake that lingers and refuses to let go. My few strokes do nothing. Indeed, they seem to increase the pressure of these slimy chains. It's impossible to get loose with my bare hands, and my stingers are unable to get any purchase in the watery texture. The light particles around us have turned into twisters that twist and turn like a hail of shooting stars. Shackney and Slick have disappeared. I start to feel sleepy. That's not good. I thrust a triple stinger into my plexus with a sharp blow. I feel a burning sting between my ribs. Then I'm back to reality. Amon is tearing at his shackles with all the strength he can muster, but seems to be gradually falling asleep. The only one holding out is Rex's. His natural armor is protecting him from the toxin, unlike the rest of us whose skin has been pumped full of poison. With a flash of his flipper, he disappears into the forest beneath my feet. Mantis Shrimp's armor, designed to protect and slice through the currents, 
gives them amazing speed. A few seconds later, he resurfaces with the eel and the axolotl under his arm, both unconscious. I thrust a double stinger into their lower back. Pain and enzymes work wonders. Slick wakes up with a howl and starts giving off electricity into the void. Shackney is still somewhat floppy, so I give him another dose. It's no time to skimp on resources. Amanaka ends up devouring his bonds with his huge set of teeth, his mouth surrounded by powdered light. Rexes swims towards me. With a snap of his fangs, he cuts through the whole thing without breaking sweat. What the hell just happened? Asks Slick. Like all of us, his muscles must be feeling pretty numb. I wish the prince would order us to flee, but he merely guides us deeper. After we descend, I want everyone back to back. If you get tangled, cut yourself free right away. Ark, if one of us goes down, do your thing with the needles. Rexes, you protect the back. I nod in response. We form a circle, with me at its center, and we go deeper. Amanaka probably thinks that the larger, more dangerous filaments at the bottom are impregnated with more light. An hour has passed since we swam into that stinking mash of vines that was reaching towards us. We've been fighting for 20 minutes without being able to descend any further. I'm in pretty good shape, and I'm beating the crap out of everything that comes my way, with my marine boomerangs slicing, dissecting, gutting, tearing up everything. The ugly growths can't keep up with my speed and power getting ripped into blue shreds that fly in all directions and give off a yellowish juice. Look, Sleek, what the Axolotl clan is capable of doing to its enemies. The turtle's needles are a great help. I feel tireless, like I'm moving on solid ground. The only problem is that the particles are being deposited on us way too slowly. And above all, the more I cut, the more they come. It looks like Almanaco is deluded. Going deeper means becoming exhausted or immobilized. And to top it all off, I'm running out of needles, so we won't be able to maintain this frantic pace for long. I feel a movement behind me. A greenish blurred line passes me. The merest vibration in the water, as light as a shrimp. Rexus. It's impossible to clearly identify the mantis shrimp he's moving so fast. A lightning bolt protected by a shell and equipped with two huge scabrous fists. He emerges from the circle. Stop it, you idiot! Come back! I shout in vain. No sound comes out of my mouth. Rexus disappears towards the center of the arena at the speed of a crossbow bolt. Sleek and Amon don't seem to mind. They continue unleashing all their power on the soft yet relentless enemy. The eel sends out electric shocks as a cluster of tentacles tries to get past one of us. He doses his charges expertly to avoid injuring any of the group. Swims in all directions. Faints, resumes his course, rises again, then dives with impressive moves to cover our small group. The Orc Prince tears, crushes, and devours everything in sight. He's covered with enough light to come to the surface, but his pride means he'll certainly try to match his father, and will stay until he's completely covered. Even the turtle has started to show her fangs to take the pressure off us. Outside, the storm rages and thunders as if it's talking just to me. It fills me with power. What a storm, lighting the pit with flashes of lightning while I'm fighting hard alongside my old mate, the Prince. We've been like brothers since childhood. We give it our all. I don't know about him, but I got enough fuel in my tank to go all night if that fat bastard wants more. From the corner of my eye, I see Squilla with his tail between his legs. Good riddance. Let him die somewhere else. 
The axolotl is doing a pretty good job, unlike the turtle that keeps sticking endless needles in her back. Someone's gonna have to explain to me what these glass things are for. It's time to try something. In the heat of the battle, I let myself get caught up by a filament thicker than the others, just to see what this giant has in her. She doesn't hold back. I feel tons of pressure pressing down on my body. If I wasn't the Neil, I'd have been squashed flat. I send her a gift in return, and she recoils like a worm on a hook. She must have felt that real good. <laughs> I feel the canopy vibrating with the screams of the crowd. Enjoy the show, people! Sleek is spoiling you today. A few minutes pass happily, slaughtering the rotten giant, when Rexus speeds towards us like a fury. He doesn't look like he's had too much trouble, the bastard. He urges us to follow him into the heart of the bloody mess. But why be such a jerk? Why stand there and fight until he's covered in plankton? It's not my problem if the weak get caught. I send him a little signal to show him what I think of his stupid plan. To my great disappointment, Amanaka between two rip currents tells me to wind my neck in. Gah! It seems he's willing to follow suit. Oh, it looks like the shrimp's in it to the bitter end. Persisting in this endless fray would be a mistake. But this appears to mean nothing to Slick, who's trying too hard to impress the crowd with his lightning. We start to slow down, even me. I could all too easily ascend and leave them all, but that would mean losing face in front of my father. Not only for the amount of light collected, but also, and above all, in terms of my ability to lead. What kind of leader would I be compared to the great king he has become? Only Rexus and I are collecting particles, because we are the two most exposed fighters in the fray. He could also head back up with credit, and I wonder what's making him stay. I couldn't see him fight because he was behind me, but judging from the marks on his shell and his great armored fists, it looks like he must have been fighting hard to cover Arkansa. At first I think he's fleeing when I see him leave the group, but I'm reassured by the direction he takes. He isn't heading vertically toward the surface. No. When I see him reappear, I order the others to follow towards the heart of the arena. The tentacles gradually take on the size of branches, and then of young trees. Like huge whips, they try to swat us brutally like mosquitoes. Anybody getting hit could be thrown to the bottom, and things would then become very difficult. Fortunately, the Squilla leads the way with his skills and makes our job easier. He causes a distraction by drawing the blows towards himself and avoids them with childlike ease. With a flick of his tail, he disappears and is a few strokes away in the blink of an eye. His path is impossible for the rest of us to follow. He changes direction suddenly, takes a perfect right angle halfway, and then turns back on himself. He pushes Arkansa out of the way to save her, and catches Shockney, who is in the wrong place. He draws the wrath of Yanemone down upon himself, and allows us to move forward. We emerge into what I'd describe as an underwater clearing, where the ground is visible a few strokes below our feet, free of filaments. There's an eerie calm, the water cooler, crystal clear. 
In the heart of this peaceful oasis is a large trunk of red coral, covered with filaments that are shorter than the vines we faced earlier, like foliage or hair running down a quarter of its length. Finally, there's something that looks a little like a polyp, which I reckon must be the heart or the head. At least, the key to our salvation. Rex's points at the top of this blood-colored trunk with a finger as shriveled as a dead tree branch. The filaments are more rounded, glittering like mother-of-pearl and swaying calmly like massive, crooked fingers. I can sense no hostility in the air. We swim towards him and hover over it. I go first. I let myself sink and find myself buried up to my waist. Its embrace itches, but the thing remains peaceful. Slick comes next, followed by Shackney, Ark, and Rexus, who all soak up the light as best they can. Once we are all shining properly, I tell the team to ascend calmly. All in all, the trial hasn't been so bad. But this is where things start to go wrong. Whether it's due to an excess of confidence or because he's holding a grudge, I don't know what's going through Slick's head at this moment. Actually, I tell a lie. I know. The ordeal's finally over. A pretty stupid trial that saw us fighting with a giant sea plant and then wallowing in its slimy arms. A great joke on the part of the shamans. We're completely covered with bitter-tasting, musty-smelling particles of light. Finally, we can go home and pretend we liked it. Three more trials and it's over, and in a few weeks I can go back to sleeping on the warm sand. Rex's is the last to wade through the pile of seaweed. He clumsily finishes covering the rough layers of shell on his back when I see Slick descending the trunk with the ill-placed smile of someone about to make a big mistake. He curls his tail, which becomes so strongly charged with electricity that arcs of electricity start emanating from its scales. Then he touches the anemone with his fingertip. The giant is shaken and contracts. Its filaments bristle, curl up, and instantly turn orange. Then they lengthen to form much sharper laces that clamp like a grip on the squilla. Rex's, who is also suffering the effects of the shock, is paralyzed while Slick ascends laughing. I draw a spear. Shackney wields her boomerang. Before we move, Amanaka orders us not to move a finger. To step back. We ascend a few strokes, and the prince stops us. Stop. Nobody move. The anemone's arms are now red hot and embrace Rex's, who was unable to escape in time. Shackney is beside herself. Amanaka is forced to hold her back with his great paw. For my part, I reckon I've seized the opportunity spotted by the prince in this tragic situation. The squilla has woken up and is staring at us with its big, bewildered eyes. Bunch of scum, I read. Move your ass, shrimp! Get out of there! I try to respond with my eyes, but he's already looking away. He's encircled by a dozen or so tentacles that pull him ever deeper into the cavity. As he descends, he becomes less and less visible until he eventually disappears into the strands. He'll probably be sucked into the trunk and digested like a goby. Shackney screams and cries. She flaps her hands and feet, but Amon holds her in place like a child. He's read my mind. Don't move 
of a finger, turtle. His gaze chills me and stops me playing the hero, because he looks like a predator with murder on his mind. The anemone's body swells like a snake's throat, so I can tell it's swallowing Rexus. He's done for. I gotta admit, I half wanted it to work and I was half fucking around. I actually didn't think it would work so well. At worst, the shrimp would be pushed around a bit by the beast, but it would never eat him. Talk about a nice surprise. Oh, damn. The rest of the trial should be a piece of cake. Gone are his little tricks to get light faster. Gone are the sacrilegious highs that put us to shame. Gone is the weak and cowardly squilla. Yeah, at least that's what I told myself when I saw our comrade being eaten before our eyes. But I'm soon to be disappointed. The body of the anemone starts to pulsate like a great beating heart, and then it starts to distort in every direction. Whoa! Despite its massive size, it begins to warp as if it has swallowed magma. The creepy appendages all retreat into the giant before bursting out all at once. A volcanic eruption. Light everywhere. It explodes with star juice all over the arena. The blue giant spills its guts as the squillet tears its entrails out. And then the trunk is pierced with Rex's fist coming through. You can see his hand. Hey, we wouldn't have gotten such a show if I hadn't wanted to finish him off. He throws a second backhander and the hole gets bigger than a third. He splits it in two and escapes like a prince. Rexus has just been puked out by the blue giant. The bastard is covered in light, even more than Amon, so much that it hurts the eyes. He's like a star, an underwater torch, an astral shrimp. By far, the most amazing thing about the whole event. I even applauded. I don't believe it. Welcome to the team, Squilla Baby. When we return to the surface, Shackney takes the first shot, ignoring Jakpa and Akuyandi, who are mere spectators. You massive idiots, Leek! What's wrong with you? I swear I'll knock you out. You have no crack spirit, no solidarity, nothing! You're a mental case. You don't belong here! Get out or I'll kill you here and now, even if it gets me thrown out! I was just joking! Can we all just relax? I'm the most shocked of all. But what a show! That exit. Rexus... You made him eat teeth! Yeah! Rexes doesn't react. Neither does anyone else for that matter. Shackney takes her boomerang. She adjusts her equipment. She's really going this time. Slick understands. His tail starts to change direction. Amanaka steps in and puts a hand on Shackney's head. Then he takes a step forward and stands before the eel, who pouts and looks both guilty and complicit. Slick doesn't see it coming. The sound of Amanaka's slap against Slick's head echoes around the cave. He flies off the ground and is thrown against the wall. Not enough to kill him, but he'll definitely have felt it. He sprawls on the floor, his tail wags, and he stands up, blood pouring from his nostrils. Never again will you endanger a member of the clan, Slick. Okay, okay, I, I get it. I messed up. It won't happen again. So we keep going and move on to the next trial. Wait, Amanaka. You're not completely blameless. Remember, you ordered us not to lift a finger to help him. Good point. I'd almost forgotten about that. The prince then turns to Rex's, who gives him a hard stare, which I guess is meant to hide his exhaustion. 
the high sacrilege from earlier. Rexes of the Squilla clan, you have just regained your honor as a crag in the eyes of all. 